This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper rashes, we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c So there are two test methods that are basically allowed. One is called otoacoustic emissions, and that tests response from the inner ear directly. And one is called an automatic auditory brainstem response. That ABR testing or auditory brainstem response testing is a little bit more sensitive and can test measure higher up the hearing pathway. So what the recommendation is in the well baby nursery, a baby can have either that otoacoustic emission test or the ABR testing, but if your baby has spent any time in the NICU, what's required is that they receive the auditory brainstem response testing. Welcome to the Peds Doc Talk podcast. This show's success is largely due to you and the way you share the podcast, show up each and every week, and how you leave reviews. So thank you so much for tuning in today. I am so grateful to have the most amazing array of guests to guide you in your parenting journey, topics about all things parenting, infant and child health and development, and parental mental health. Today's guest is Kelsey Kirkhove, who is a pediatric audiologist, and we're talking about why early detection and intervention of pediatric hearing loss is important. Thank you so much for joining me today, Kelsey. Thank you so much for having me. Well, this is an important conversation. We're going to be diving deeper into that newborn period with hearing screens. Obviously, we can also talk about other hearing evaluations that happen later, but we're really focusing on that newborn period. And a lot of parents will come in and say, you know, my child had a hearing test. They may have not passed it. What does this all mean? We'll get into all of that juicy information, which I think is so important for parents to understand. But before we do that, if you can introduce yourself to everyone listening today. Yeah. Hi, um, I'm Kelsey Kirkov. I'm a pediatric audiologist. I grew up in the Midwest and have been out in Southern California for the last five years. I work a large medical center in Los Angeles and largely focused on the early identification and intervention of hearing loss in children. And I also help oversee the newborn hearing screening program. So I am very passionate about early identification of hearing loss and making sure that parents get the right information and the right support in their hands at the right time to be able to help guide their child down the best path possible. I love it. And like I already mentioned, I think it's so important that we're chatting about this one, because this is important for their development. And also a lot of parents don't 
realize unless they read of material or got, you know, went on a tour of the hospital or got information that this is a routine part of an assessment in the hospital for them to get a hearing evaluation before they leave. So I want to talk about that hearing screen that's done called the newborn hearing screen. What happens during this and what type of tests are usually done? Is there a preferred type of test that's done in the hospital? If you can kind of run down the differences. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're absolutely right. It's a routine screening that happens, Mm -hmm. but I think so many parents aren't A, aware that that may happen, or B, if the baby doesn't end up passing the hearing screening, are totally thrown off because they weren't even expecting for their baby to have their hearing screened. And there's so many questions, like you had just asked, how do we screen a baby's hearing? So there are two test methods that are basically allowed. One is called otoacoustic emissions, and that tests response from the inner ear directly. And one is called an automatic auditory brainstem response. That ABR testing or auditory brainstem response testing is a little bit more sensitive and can test measure higher up the hearing pathway. So what the recommendation is in the well baby nursery, a baby can have either that otoacoustic emission test or the ABR testing. But if your baby has spent any time in the NICU, what's required is that they receive the auditory brainstem response testing. So a lot of hospitals are going more towards that ABR or auditory brainstem response testing because it is a little bit more sensitive, but Mm -hmm. in many well baby nurseries, babies will receive the otoacoustic emissions testing. Is there a difference in price or cost um, between why a facility won't always just go to the ABR if it's more sensitive? So there's not a difference in price mm-hmm. or cost from the patient standpoint, but mm-hmm. from the hospital standpoint, the auditory brainstem response equipment is a little bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine that is, you know, what kind of gears decisions to use the otoacoustic emissions testing. But I do know at our hospital for all babies, they receive the ABR testing. So okay. I'm optimistic that it's most places are moving more towards the more sensitive test. And, you know, sometimes parents will ask, well, if it's loud in the nursery or, you know, there's reasons why maybe they may not have passed it. Is there anything external that can cause a child or a newborn not to pass it like ambient noise, things like that? Or is that more common with the OAE test versus the ABR test? There are definitely external factors that can affect the test. However, I think it's really important that the person doing the test make sure that they're able to rule out all external factors Mm -hmm. that could potentially interfere with the results. So if your technician or the audiologist doing the test is very well trained, they'll make sure to give you some tips and recommendations to basically control the environment to the best of their ability to produce the most reliable test results. So unfortunately, when babies don't pass the hearing screening, it's very common to hear, oh, you know, they may have had fluid in their Mm. ears or the vent was very loud or they weren't sleeping enough. You know, there are external factors that can impact the results. However, I train our team to say the goal is to eliminate any and all external factors. So you have confidence that this produced a reliable result because unfortunately the narrative really is to parents, oh, it's probably just fluid. Don't worry about it. And it is a fine line. It's just a screening. It's not a diagnostic test. So if your baby doesn't pass the screening, it doesn't mean that they've been diagnosed with hearing loss, but it does mean that you should receive education and proper steps to take in order to get the information you need about your baby's hearing. And the reality is the reason we screen every single baby's hearing at birth is because hearing loss is one of the most 
common congenital birth defects. So we want to identify it as soon as possible. So I think it's important to give parents realistic information and say, you know, this isn't a diagnostic test. However, it does mean they've been referred for more testing. So it's really important you follow up because hearing loss is a possibility and help prepare parents because as an audiologist, I see the other side of things. I diagnose babies with hearing loss. And so many parents have said to me, I wish someone would have just told me that hearing loss was a possibility. Instead, everyone told me not to worry about it. No, I completely agree. I mean, that's what a screening test should be. You know, we do so many screening tests in the hospital and it's all benign, right? When we talk about this, all the things that you're mentioning, the both types of tests, non-invasive, what that means is that it's on the surface of the skin or outside the ear, nothing's getting inputted inside the child, correct? Yes. I mean, yeah. the most invasive, it's a headphone in the ear. Yes, so no, exactly. invasive. Yeah. And that's really important. And, you know, all of these things, like we talk about this, the newborn screen, jaundice screening, all of it, like you mentioned, is to provide the best benefit of the child in terms of making sure that there is not a concern. Now, thank you so much for talking about why the test is important. You mentioned that, you know, congenital hearing loss is a reality in some cases. So what happens if the child doesn't pass one of these tests? Like, let's say they do an OA test, the first one that you mentioned, do they get a repeat ABR in the hospital or do they get discharged? What's usually what you've seen? Um, I know the protocol can depend on facility to facility, but what's going to happen for that family and that baby? Yeah. So every baby will receive at least two hearing screenings Mm -hmm. prior to going home. The reason is because, you know, it is just a screening. It is not the most sensitive test. So we give the baby two times to pass or to refer. So if they don't pass the first test, and if it is an OAE screening, usually that's the equipment that the facility has. So they'll repeat the test with another OAE screening. Then what's recommended is that they follow up with an audiologist within one month. So most states have kind of policies in place on what's recommended to make sure that babies receive proper follow-up in a timely manner. So Typically, before leaving the hospital, the family will have an appointment scheduled with an audiologist within one month, ideally less. You can test a baby's hearing like we saw at at any age. So if they're two days old and you're able to get in, that's fantastic Mm -hmm. because really the goal is early identification. If your baby fails the hearing screening, we want to make sure that they're getting the proper diagnosis as early as possible. And that is because research shows if we're able to identify hearing loss very, very early and we're able to intervene with the proper treatment, then their outcomes to develop speech and language can very, very much be on par with other kids their age. Mm -hmm. And it's less likely that they may fall behind in some of those developmental milestones. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess Meals, chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with Factor Meals because they're ready in two minutes, no shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious Factor Meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active.
As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood explains. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Well, I love that we're again chatting about this because you said it already that sometimes it's kind of said as like, hey, it's okay that you didn't pass it. That's fine. But the biggest take home on my side as well, being a pediatrician is even if they did not pass it and there's no family history of hearing loss, there's no reason. It's so important for us to get the repeat. Like, you know, when they come out of the hospital, if it wasn't passed, making sure that we get another evaluation as an outpatient. Usually what we do is if they didn't pass it in the hospital, they come to us. We look at that. You know, we look at okay, did they pass the hearing screen? If they needed a car seat test um, for premature babies, that sometimes happens. So hearing screen for all babies, car seat test, what was the jaundice level, congenital heart screen, like all of these little things that happen that are so important. And if it wasn't passed, then we usually do refer to an audiologist as an outpatient just to make sure that it is passed. And if it's not, like you said, getting tied in with an audiologist. And I will say sometimes patients fall through the cracks because they think, well, how can something be wrong? You know, like there's nothing my baby's a newborn, like there's nothing wrong, but I can't stress the importance of if there is something that was not passed, it's so important to get the follow-up just because we want to be completely sure. If it turns out to be nothing, great. But if it turns out to be that the child's not passing the test, we want to make sure that your child gets the, the best evaluation and treatment possible. And I think that's such an important conversation that we're having. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think you made a good point earlier about how if someone has, if their baby doesn't pass, you know, the questions, well, there's no family history, you know, it's probably nothing. And the reality is 90% of babies are born to normal hearing parents. So just because there isn't that very obvious family history doesn't mean that there might be something worth looking into. Usually if there is a diagnosis of hearing loss, most of the time it does come as a complete shock to parents. Yeah. And 
we know that, of course, this is done at the newborn period, usually, like we said before, they leave the hospital. Now, just because a child passes their hearing test at birth, we also know that hearing loss in children can develop later. What are some signs and symptoms of hearing loss later in childhood that a parent should be kind of aware of so that they can bring it up to their child's pediatrician? Yeah, that's a great question. So hearing loss is not always as obvious as you may think. I think to some people it can be perceived as very black and white. Either my child can hear or if they couldn't hear, I would be able to know. Right. In some cases, the answer is yes. But in some cases, you know, there's very different degrees and severities of hearing loss that affect individual pitches and sounds. So it may not be as obvious as you may think. A few things to keep an eye out for if you feel like you may be concerned about your child's hearing is definitely talking to their pediatrician about their speech and language milestones. That's something that's conversations I'm assuming that, you know, you have with parents all the time checking in how many words do they have? Are they babbling? If they are sort of falling behind on those milestones and you have any concerns about your baby's speech, the very first thing you should I would recommend is, you know, receiving a hearing test because a lot of parents will begin speech therapy and they haven't had a hearing test for their little one. And then they find out, you know, a couple months later that their child has hearing loss. And that was time spent in speech therapy that they weren't able to get the most from because we hadn't identified maybe what the cause was. Some other signs to look out for is, you know, simply your child asking, huh, what if you notice that even though you're close to them, you're talking to them, and they're asking for you to repeat yourself more than usual. Kiddos who have reoccurring ear infections, which so many kids do, ear infections can also affect hearing. So again, it may one day they may be fine. And then as that ear infection or the fluid happens behind their ear, it can impact their hearing over time. So yeah, you know your child best. And I think following your parental gut is super important as well. If you think something's going on, talk to your pediatrician, ask for the referrals. Again, a, a child can have their hearing tested at any point in time and it's non-invasive, it's not painful. So there really is no harm in getting that information if that's something that you're concerned about. Yeah. And I think sometimes parents forget that just because we may not routinely screen hearing at that age, like for example, we do the newborn screen from our end, but then in terms of routine hearing tests, this is the one where if you maybe are listening and you have an older child, this is in the pediatrician's office, they'll put the headphones on, they'll ask the kid to raise the hand. That's usually an older child, like older than four, because they have to be able to cooperate and do that. But if your child is younger than four, not passing any test, or you're concerned about hearing using the example that Kelsey mentioned, a lot of that is language development. I agree. Or the haunt thing that you mentioned. But yeah, if you're seeing that, make sure you ask your clinician, say, hey, look, like I am feeling like my child can't hear or the language is not where I expect it to be based on developmental milestones. Let's, should we do a hearing evaluation? And that is something that we can order to be done at an audiologist office, even if we can't do it in our offices or the child does not cooperate. Because I see that happen also where sometimes the child will cooperate in our office, like an older child for a hearing evaluation. And the medical system will just say uncooperative. And in my opinion, it's like, well, are they uncooperative because they can't hear or are they uncooperative because of their age? But it's really important for us to really make sure that we cross our T's and dot our I's so that we're not dealing with this later, like Kelsey said of like, hey, you had this issue and we never evaluated it. Yeah, I completely agree. It's definitely something if you're able to identify it sooner rather than later, we're really going to be able to help set your child and your family up for the most success to make sure that their hearing loss doesn't hold them back in any way in life. 
And we kind of alluded to it a little bit, but are there any risk factors for congenital hearing loss or uh, hearing loss later in childhood? Yes, definitely. So family history is one. If you have a family history of hearing loss, even like a distant cousin or an aunt, that can be Mm -hmm. a risk factor. Spending a minimum of five days in the NICU, that itself is a risk factor. So if your baby has spent more than five days in the NICU, it's recommended that they have a follow-up test around nine months to a year just to monitor their hearing. There are certain medications that may be given in the neonatal ICU or the NICU to treat infections that can cause hearing loss. And actually, even if you're when your baby, when or if your baby doesn't pass their hearing screening right away, one of the tests that they would be helpful if they are checked for is cytomegalovirus. That's Mm -hmm. a virus that can be transferred from mom to baby during pregnancy. And your baby may be born completely healthy and they may develop symptoms later on. And hearing loss is one of the side effects from that. So being tested for cytomegalovirus or CMV at birth is really important. Yes. So there are several risk factors if your baby was on any oxygen in the hospital afterwards. So it's really important that if they have some of those risk factors that they're monitored. And I always say to my patients, you know, it's unlikely that their hearing will change. And usually it's a very conservative recommendation to say, hey, let's check in. But kind of like we talked about, there's really not a lot of harm done, I guess. It's not a painful exam. It just is a little, you know, it's an appointment that you have to come in, but it's always worth it for either peace of mind. You know, there's no changes in their hearing or if there has been a change, we can again detect it before other challenges may have already taken place. Oh, this is so helpful. I really enjoyed chatting with you about this one because I get so many questions in my office about the differences and details. And so whenever I do that, I'm like, hey, I have this platform called a podcast and a YouTube. And I'm like, I want to get experts in the field to chat about this stuff. Because like we said at the beginning, uh, this is such a routine thing that we do, the hearing evaluation for newborns and obviously hearing evaluations for older children. But sometimes parents don't know the nitty gritty. So thank you so much for this conversation today. Oh, absolutely. I think it's a really important topic to discuss. And like you said, we kind of peel back the layers. It does just seem like a routine screening. But once you start peeling back the layers, there's a lot of important components to this. And where can people find you to stay connected? I believe you do have like social channels and ways to stay connected with you. Yeah. So um, you can find me on Instagram Mm -hmm. at Kelsey Kirkov underscore AUD. I also have a website with a blog. If you have any questions about your child's hearing journey, just like any unexpected diagnosis that any child may receive, it can be incredibly overwhelming, emotional. And so I also offer support to parents who are currently navigating through that process. So you can contact me from my website as well at KelseyKirkovAUD.com. And I've just recently started to dabble with TikTok. So if you want to check me out (laughs) over there as well, KelseyKirkov underscore AUD, you can find me there. Well, thank you so much. This is such a great conversation. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And for everyone listening, I hope you really enjoyed this conversation with Kelsey. It's so important that we have a diversity of guests on the show to talk about various things that you may find yourself in situations with your child. And this is one of those things as a pediatrician that I think is just so important. If you like this episode, please make sure to leave a review, rating, share it with a friend, share it with a loved one. It's so important that people get this message and learn about this show through you. And I cannot wait to chat with another guest next week. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review. 
share this episode with a friend, share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at Pete's Doc Talk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Pete's Doc Talk TV. We'll talk to you soon. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.